0: there, it's good to have you back with us for this special ABP podcast for farm families. It's the third and I hope you're enjoying the series. We know, don't we, that people living in the countryside are social animals from young farmers to the throng who regularly meet at local marts. We relish the opportunity to catch up with friends and neighbours because working the land can often result in long hours on isolated farms where contact with others is very limited. In our first podcast, Air Ambulance Paramedic Glenn O'Rourke told us that there had been more call-outs during lockdown because farmers who had not been able to call in neighbours or local business for assistance had attempted jobs which had put themselves at increased risk. Maybe, though, you have found lockdown to be a positive experience, prompting the question are farm families more resilient? Has it brought you closer together, not being the children's taxi service and having more time for one another? In recent months we've all experienced what it feels like to be cut off from friends family work colleagues and customers but how would you cope if that was the situation you find yourself in on a more regular basis how would you look after your physical and mental health while managing the demands of a business which runs let's face it 24 7. today we have three great guests who are going to share their knowledge and personal experiences to help all of us to live a happier, healthier life in the countryside. They are Northern Ireland's recently appointed Interim Mental Health Champion, Professor Siobhan O'Neill. David Devine, a busy man, he's a mixed beef, sheep and dairy farmer from London and the Chief Executive of Rural Support, Veronica Morris, great to see you all. Thanks for being with us today. Um, Professor O'Neill, if I can begin with you, first of all, congratulations on your appointment. Great news. You live currently on a sheep farm, so you're very well placed to talk about the challenges facing rural families. What can you tell us about the impact of farm isolation?
1: Yeah, I, I've been reared on a farm and I'm back living on, on the same farm and it's a fantastic environment usually. But I think lockdown has um taken its toll on, on farming communities across Northern Ireland. Um as you say, I mean the the rural isolation thing is a bit of a stereotype and we're actually social animals and we've lost that social integration um, and so so that's been a difficulty and I think that that isolation can cause stress and mental health problems for some um, particularly people who live on their own on their own there will be a lot of people who, who live in their own in rural areas and that's a difficulty there's also the pressure on, on rural far- farming families where they're trying you know parents are very very busy often doing multiple jobs and we know that's very common in farming communities and now they're they're having to look after children at home and for some attempt to homeschool so so that's difficult difficult as well for us to, to cope with. Um, I think there's there's negatives and there's also positives. And it's really important to highlight the benefits of living in this sort of environment through a period of lockdown, particularly in the summer, so our children can get out and we can get out and exercise. But it hasn't been easy, and that's against a backdrop of economic uncertainty um, that, that comes on top of a period that has been quite difficult for farmers to cope with and the uncertainty of Brexit. So there's a lot of stress and pressure there, and I think um, we really need to now attend to the mental health of farming communities um, and help people get the, the support that they, they would benefit from going forward.
0: David, you're a busy man, just in from the yard after feeding calves, you're married, you have a young son, you're currently president of the City of Derry Young Farmers Clubs. Do you struggle sometimes to find that work-life balance?
2: Big time, big time. Um, I think, it, given you kind of take the children with you on the farm a lot, and given recent circumstances the accidents and stuff, you kind of try not to take them on the farm, but then you're missing out. If you're not taking them, you don't get to see them. Um, but it's always, always there that you have to try and either take a Sunday afternoon, me and my dad, we share the weekend milkings on a Sunday, so at least you have one Sunday off every fortnight to get away with the children. Maybe we sense reality off the farm.
0: When did you, on a personal basis, David, first find that you were struggling, that the balance wasn't right?
2: Um, probably if I think back, as I said, I said this before in the Young Farmers, the way F.C. sees you. Probably one of my first the first signals was, and must it was must I didn't I didn't pick up on it, was harvest time in two thousand and twelve. Come like. Combine and we do a bit of combine, a bit of cereal as well, the sheep, beef, and dairy. But uh, harvest time, I hated it. I didn't want, I didn't want to do the combine. Like I love that's probably that's best job of the year, staying the combine. I did not want to go out in the combine. And it was a bad season. Put it down to bad season, bad weather. Just I ah, can't be bored with. This. Then I got into the winter, got into the grind of the winter, and things didn't really improve at all. Uh, I was telling myself, "Get the spring, get the spring. You'll be grand. Never the weather starts to pick up in the springtime, and it was a general thought of it. I didn't, I didn't. I probably didn't even know what depression was. I just thought I just was fed up, or I didn't even think that. I probably never even to be truthful even heard of depression or even thought that there's any possibility that I could even have it. Um, got to the springtime." Sheep was lambing, got them lambs. it was time to start ploughing, and I myself convinced again, once you start to plough, you'll be grand, and the morning come, the plough the hooked on the evening before it, and that morning, I went to got up and fed the calves, did the essentials, came back in, got my tea, went to put my boots on, and sat down the sofa, and I couldn't get back out the door again, and I said to my mum, I said, well, she looked at me and I was sitting head down and she says, are you all right? thinking?" is he actually sick? And I says, I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get off the sofa. And I says, I think, I have to crush. And sort of from that minute on, it was like, it was near like ambulance, sirens going. And <sighs> it was out of my control from that point on. And that's, it's hard to talk about it, but looking, looking back, it's, Everybody within, I had a couple of friends within Young Farmers, and they rallied round. And uh, I didn't, I didn't have to do the ploughing. Some of them did it for me. And I say it's not. It's hard to talk about it, but it's.
0: But it's a very brave thing to do, and if more people did, David, perhaps. Symptoms would be identified quicker, and people wouldn't have to feel as down as you did before something was done about it. So don't take that away from yourself. That you know you, you've oh, sent I, out a very strong message to other people, and other people will learn from your experience.
2: I'd say that's that's probably what annoys me more is the fact that, and I, I blame myself, but suppose ourselves and now things. Is I probably feel things is different now. But the way that's eight years ago, that if I had of known what they look for is, on the harvest time like Gee, something, someone's not right here like and, but I let it go on yeah. and go on and go on it got to a stage where it probably nearly was irreversible but,
0: but listening uh, to you David it almost sounded like you were hoping that the season would change your mindset you were pushing yep. yourself and pushing yourself for hoping for something outside of your head to change how you feel what was your 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 mum's reaction that day and what has changed since have you had other bouts where you could feed yourself becoming unhappy again and how do you redress that
2: oh that's well that's whenever whenever i that morning sounds cliche saying i need help and that's literally what it was um more mum she rung straight rung a doctor as you do when you're not well and put together the doctor just instantly says classic case of depression like um, put together different, it was tablets started in medication, counseling and cognitive behavioral therapy and part of it is sort of realizing recognizing when something's not right, to take a step back and that's that's probably that's probably nearly the, the biggest help of the whole thing since even since if, if you're not enjoying something or something's becoming too much they to take a step back and ask, ask for help, even not not mentally if, if you're getting overloaded with work take take a step back and get somebody to help
0: let me bring veronica in at this point um david david clearly not alone veronica you receive many calls i'm sure from people are in a similar situation what would you say to david
3: well first of all i would say david you know to not underestimate as karen said the importance of telling your story and you know affirming in yourself you know that it is something that you did recognize and you did take the steps to help yourself and i mean within rural support we would um have many calls in in of this nature and also under our mentoring program where we work with farmers and farm families to move through these type of struggles um, certainly the there is a solution for everybody you know and it may be different What you know your solution may be di- different for somebody else you know and that's why it's important to engage with professionals who can assist um i think also david to me you know you said the first bite was eight years ago you know and yet eight years later you, you're you have a family and and you're still here and you're very active in in your community and able to help other people to, to understand that this is part of life for a lot of people, and uh, part of our core messages that mental health and physical health are equally important. And um, when one or other or both start to go down, to recognise those signs and to to get the assistance, you know, and that there is no the stigma. Thankfully, is starting to to be removed, and certainly in the younger um, generation, it is starting to definitely lift. And we would like to encourage that right through our farming community, regardless of their age.
0: Veronica, would you say that there's something distinctly different about the farming community as to the rest of the country in the way they handle mental health issues? Mm -hmm. I would say certainly
3: in the past that would be through, but I do believe it is changing and it is um, becoming much more Uh, acceptable to to talk about these things. Uh, We ran a program uh, between November and March called Coping with the Pressures of Farming and we had 300 farm families who went through that program and it was all around mental health, uh, around recognizing the signs in yourself and in others and what you can do to help yourself and what you can do to help others as well.
0: And those I think that's very interesting. Sorry to cut across you, Veronica, there, but yeah. if you have a, a friend or a, a family member or a neighbor and you think they're not themselves, they're clearly struggling, how do you begin that conversation? How do you say, is everything okay?
3: I think it's very important to to just be very to be very sensitive about how you do it. You know, if you're close enough to that person to to recognize those signs. Or see that something's not right. It really is a matter of, of listening to what they say and asking the question how are you get known, or you know, keep it very, you know, conversational and easy. And you can't force people to open up to you. And for rural support, we would say, you know, we take referrals all the time from various sources, but the person has to be willing and ready to talk about what's going on with them. You can't force people to, to face their issues. You can encourage them, certainly. Um, But there are certain signs you can look out for and uh, David brought up a very important point about uh, overwork and we know within uh, rural uh, families and farming families that it is a 24-7 job, there is no switch off, a lot of the time um, the farmer is out working or the the partner is out working as well and they're trying to run a farm, it's like two full-time jobs in that case but even the normal full-time job is 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 expensive and long hours and it's heavy physical work. And sometimes when you've got worries and concerns, perhaps around finance or debt or there's bereavement issues have come through or succession problems, those are weighing on your mind. And so you're not maybe taking care of yourself and you're not thinking about how you feel. Everything is about what's outside of you. And so, you know, in those situations, it, it's that's stepping back for that person's really important, but again addressing very sensitively with them whether they're willing to face up to the fact something's not right. I mean the bravery of David to sit down and go something's not right um you know it it is as i suppose it's it's not typical, I would say um but it is improving, and rural supporters and organization are on a mission to to help build the resilience in the farming community so that they do step up earlier um, before they leave it till it is you know i don't actually believe it's too late ever for anyone to address mental health issues but the sooner you you get it the less difficult it is to bring yourself back to yourself
0: let's go briefly back to david david what helped you through the difficult times and what's been the reaction from other young farmers in there, there where you're speaking to us from. Whenever you've begun talking, have they shared some of their experiences with you?
2: Not, not really as much shared. And it's strange you say what what helped me because probably what helped me probably sort of unbalances what I was. And you say about spot but it is very very hard because in my in my case. I was in 2012, 2012, 2013, I was club leader of City of Derry. That spring, whenever this was at its worst, we were doing the Arts Festival Gala. I had a leading role in the Arts Festival. I can't sing to save my life, but I was trying and a leading <laughs> role. Up, 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 up. I was up, up on the stage singing, doing the Arts Festival Gala, and I was dying inside. I did not want to do it, but it was, I was doing it and putting a face on it, and nobody had a clue. And whenever, whenever I came around he said, I can't actually do this. I had to step back from, and couldn't do the gala, and I, and I let the club down big time, but I had no option. I actually couldn't do it when I come down to it at the end. And there was no, no big deal, given the, given the circumstances. Somebody else stepped in, and through, fr- through friends of young farmers, they, they managed it as they do. But that, that just shows that how how easy it is covered, that I was able to sing and dance and do an arts festival and but really didn't even want to go to the house in the morning, um, and what what helped? Friends, friends, um, and as I say, taking that taking that step back and saying, maybe cutting back for a year, just reduce the load, um getting back out with friends but more sensible going out with friends rather than just going out all the time you know rather meeting up with friends rather than going out drinking I never I took a drink, never was a big drinker, but rather just taking it easy except so had really so masking the symptoms I suppose for a while. And as I say it's eight years ago now and just I still It it doesn't annoy me to talk about it, but if it helps somebody else talking about it, I'll talk about it to the cows come home.
0: It it takes you back to a period which was a a dark period for you. And thankfully, you seem to be in a much, much better place. And you have evidence of of how well regarded you are with the the friendship circle that got you through there and are still with you, David. Let's bring Siobhan in, if you don't mind it at this point. Siobhan, interesting, isn't it, that we often have a stereotype of the person struggling in the community in the countryside being an older man maybe living on his own but actually young people in rural settings can have a particularly hard time
1: They can, of course, I mean, psychologists now understand mental illness as as a result of stress that the person finds it really difficult to cope with on an ongoing basis. And there's so many young people and people in family situations that are under stress and pressure, and that can lead to mental illness. So the first part of this is about managing stress. So managing things, as David talked about, workload, doing too much, all of that as a stress and a pressure. And then there are unique stressors and family and families that live in farms, um, around things like succession, bereavement, um, economic pressure, debt, all of those things are, are in some ways heightened in, in rural communities. So the stress is there and of course we get mental illness in all sections of the population. Um, it's better that people can talk earlier but it takes so much courage to, to actually say the words there's something not right. I'm not I'm not well here and then to make a phone call and call a GP that can often be so so hard for people to do you almost too much um, so I think it's important that we get a clear message out there that it's okay to ask people about their mental health and about their feelings um, without asking them to go into too much detail maybe about the causes because there can be stigma and, and um, a lot of shame around the, the feelings and problems that can cause uh, stress and pressure so just asking about a person's feelings and helping them make that appointment or helping them phone a helpline that can be enormously beneficial and that's the first step towards those treatments that that really do work I mean mental illnesses are very much treatable um, and medications get a very bad name but it's really great when people can talk about being on medications and finding them helpful and then also counselling really does work and can help give the person the tools to manage their mental health going forward so that they can live really fulfilling and make the most of their lives and that affects families as well so this is something that we need to work together as a community on and and of course the flip side of it is we get suicides in rural areas and that's something that we're concerned about and and those can result from when the pressure and stress gets too much and the person just can't ask for help and can't make that call so we need to be aware that it's okay to talk about suicide as well and ask people if they're feeling suicidal and then get the person help for, for those feelings straight away i mean i phoned lifeline for people, with people, Samaritans are there in a 24 hour basis as well. Like there's so much help out there, but that first step can be very difficult and it can take just so much courage. And, and David expressed it all so well there.
0: He did, didn't he? Uh, what for you in this new role, do you think you're going to be able to achieve? You talk about suicide, five people die here every week. We have the worst suicide rate in the UK and compared to England, we're uh, half the funding, I think per, per capita. Um, First of all, I suppose, are you confident that the executive now sees mental health as a a political priority?
1: well well yeah i can say i'm confident all the political parties have mental health as a priority um, right now and they understand the importance of mental health in relation to the economy um, around children's education i mean it just cuts across everything and the fact my post is um, part funded from from all of the departments is an indication of that um so so my role is about prevention first and foremost i think because i mean if we can invest money at the prevention side of things we'll stop people from developing mental illnesses in the first place and that's about going into schools, thinking about families and the early year settings and how we're supporting families and how we're equipping young people to deal with the stress and strain of life um, and to give them that resilience and give them those coping skills and then of course it's about trying to identify at an earlier stage who's got mental health needs and help them with that Um, and there's there's really not enough there in in terms of Northern Ireland and, and, and young people particularly kind of difficulty if they're on the road to developing a mental health problem and struggling with stress there's often a deficit of services and help there so we're working on that Well, on that point,
0: on that point yeah. you, sorry to cut across you but on that point you were talking about the importance of counseling and cognitive behavioral therapies if those services aren't there what can you in your role do to support people who are brave enough to pick up a phone and say I need help where do you direct them
1: Okay, the, there is a 10 year strategy and we've been calling for that. So there's a 10 year strategy to make sure that the services are there and they're at the levels that people require. For a long time in Northern Ireland, we had people with trauma related mental illness that weren't getting trauma focused therapies or weren't able to access those therapies. Um, so part of my role relates to workforce planning, making sure that we train enough therapists and counselors because we have lots of psychology students, for example, who want to be clinical psychologists, but they can't get training places. So it's about having that broad, vision over the next 10 years about what do we need to provide the right treatments for people and making sure that we set up the services straight away. Um, we also need to make the most of what's already out there. So there's a lot of support, for example, even while people are on waiting lists, there's recovery colleges that can help people manage symptoms of mental illness. There's, um, there, there's a whole social prescribing program and many, many areas that link people in with support in their, in their local communities and get them back involved with their communities meeting people and doing things that that will help support their own mental health going forward as well there's also a range of online resources and um, they can actually be really effective for helping people manage mental health problems and cope with symptoms so this is not all about providing counselling although that's really important and we would would love to be able to provide counselling for people when they need it but um, there's a range of additional supports that are out there too but in most GP practices I've heard an interesting thing
0: Sorry to to cut across you again, but I I heard an interesting um, conversation recently involving a a veterinary surgeon and he was hearing that there were proposals that veterinary surgeons, for example, be um, educated in detecting symptoms of mental health issues, whether it be depression or whatever. And I thought that was a great idea because there's an already established relationship between the farmer and the veterinary surgeon who they usually respect. Do you think that's a good idea?
1: Oh, it's a brilliant idea. This is exactly the sort of thing we need. We need to to train up members of the public so that they feel confident and relaxed and having conversations and asking about, you know, how, how are you feeling? Are things going well? And then knowing what to do um, if, if things are not going well and I think th- that awareness of well, what, what can I say now if the person does disclose something to me how do I cope with that information and, and help them get the help um, because that can be a big barrier you know we, when we don't want to ask questions around feelings mental health suicide you know what what do we do here if the person is struggling what what can I say so that that's vital but also other groups like solicitors accountants um, the, the local accountants in our community says he's he's like a social worker he's often talking to farmers <laughs> about their mental health and sending them to the chemist for different things and the chemists are very good as well if the local pharmacists are great you know so there's so many people in these communities that can play a stronger role and this stuff costs very very little car and this is not about a big injection of ca- of cash here it's about using those connections and using that goodwill and that willingness in communities to to talk about stuff and to care about each other um, and we've seen so much of that in the pandemic. We know it's there, so, so let's harness it and use it better.
0: Let's just make that our, our final point. From your perspective, um, Siobhan, do you think there are any positives to come out of this pandemic? How will society change, people's relationships change, do you think, as a result of four months now of lockdown?
1: I think there's a huge amount of positives that, that we can that we can bring from, from the pandemic. We've seen a renewed interest in our key workers and a change in, in how we define our key workers. Um, and farmers are part of that group, and farm and families, they, they provide us with food. So they're valued in a way, I think that, that might have been the case before. Um, we also value our, our environment, our outdoor spaces, in a way so, so that farmers as custodians of that environment will also be valued in the different way too, hopefully. Um, and I think we, we've learned about the value of, of good health, mm-hmm. and about how we care for the vulnerable people in our community and, and those links that are so important to us. So I think it's about, you know, we're harnessing those and recording that and making sure that we don't lo- lose that as we move back out into a different sort of normal.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, good luck with your role. I know it's uh, officially beginning on the 10th of August. Best of luck with that uh, Siobhan, Veronica too, and a special thank you to David uh, today for, for sharing your story with us, uh, David, and great to hear you've come through that. and are raising awareness in in an extraordinary way and something that we all need to to learn from. Thank you too for listening today. If you've been affected by any of the issues that we've been discussing and you need to talk to someone of course you can call Veronica and her team there at Rural Support. The number is 0800 138 1678 or you can call the Samaritans on 116 123. If you want to listen again to this podcast or indeed uh, any of the others which have featured emotional stories around farm safety or indeed some great advice on career prospects within the agri-food sector post-COVID, then you can go to www.abpfoodgroup.com. I've enjoyed being with you today. From me, Karen Patterson, goodbye.